Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. A major expansion to Beacon Health's Memorial Hospital in South Bend is in the works over the next five years. While it's still in its conceptual stage, Beacon Health has proposed two major projects. The first one being a $240 million expansion of the hospital that would add a new patient tower, trauma beds, and overall upgrades. According to Beacon, this project would create 588 new hospital jobs, along with looking to improve the quality of care for patients instead of outsourcing them to other cities. The second project on the south side of the hospital would be a $60 million complex that would include a health club, apartments, hotel, office space, and parking. A Beacon representative says both projects are not finalized, but would aim to improve the hospital's long-term abilities. Now, these proposals are two of several being sent to the state for financial consideration. Indiana's General Assembly is making $500 million available for projects. The Beacon one's getting a lot of attention because of how many employees are associated with it, the capital investment that goes with it, and some of the other amenities, things like a hotel, uh, some apartments, some retail space that just isn't part of the campus right now that could be real nice assets and, and, and be important to the future of the downtown. These proposals are now being reviewed by the state, and we should know by December of how much each community will be receiving. WSBT 22's DJ Manu reporting. A pop-up clinic Tuesday afternoon aimed to help people impacted by COVID, and it showed many are still suffering from its effects. The free event was designed to give out thousands of dollars to those still needing assistance with rent and utility bills. People living in St. Joseph County can sign up for the ERA program online, but this clinic at the Charles Black Center was intended for those who have internet and technology issues. One organizer said the volunteers and social workers planned for 200 applicants total and halfway through the event they had 200. Don Powell left today's rent and utility walk-in clinic with a sigh of relief after being approved. Yes we were um, you're, you're told before you leave and then um, you just look for emails and then they'll uh, tell you exactly what was what what was paid for and what they helped with. Powell said she was impacted by COVID-19 with the loss of two loved ones and an income. Our household income changed, so um, she was our breadwinner, and I took care of her. So now that she's no longer here, it was it's hard for me to bounce back and then uh, find a job and then actually pay for everything. It's been a, a hassle. The county has $4 million to give out and will continue the program until it's all used up. Applicants are eligible for the program if they live in St. Joseph County. Their name is on the lease can prove housing instability, and their household income is 80% of the county's median income. We want to make sure that we are tapping into those who need the assistance. The federal government has mandated that these dollars are available for the public, and so we want to make sure the public actually has opportunity to use these dollars. Applicants who are approved can get up to 18 months of both rent and utility help. Another applicant said she's grateful for having in-person help to fill out the application. 
I know a lot of people who say, oh, I, I missed it. They don't know that the program is still going on. A lot of people have gotten help and they thought, think that because they've gotten help already, they can't get any more help, but the money's still out there. So I say apply, apply, apply. Well, it's obvious that we have to do another event. You look at the need, um, the amount of caseworkers we have is not that many. And so we want to make sure that we get to as many people as we possibly can. The application deadline has been extended until October 29th. Councilmember Davis says he's working on organizing more in-person signups before the deadline. WSBT 22's Paige Barnes reporting. A plan to beautify areas of South Bend relies heavily on federal funding. Some city neighborhoods could see major improvements courtesy of federal COVID relief money. This proposal includes rebuilding roads, improving infrastructure, and even potential community center improvements. We're talking 10 times what we, what we normally are able to do in, in next year's budget for, for neighborhoods. In a couple weeks, the South Bend Common Council will vote on a proposal that could see $25 million spent on positive changes to some city neighborhoods. But not everyone is on board. One Common Council member says the vote needs to be pushed back until more of what he's looking for is added. That the acts uh, for better investment and the, we, we're asking for a new culture here in South Bend that gives us an idea of what a real neighborhood looks like and the shared values of, of a real neighborhood. Housing is a key part of the budget proposal. A significant chunk of the COVID relief money could go towards housing investments, especially safer housing. The 2022 budget has resources for more housing, uh, safe, affordable housing, $8 million across the city for home repair to new uh, construction financing. That'll help not just the Southeast neighborhood, but neighborhoods uh, across the city and including on, on South Bend's west side. The news conference today took place in front of a house that had been renovated, one that Mueller calls a sign of things to come. This is the signs of hope of uh, the neighborhood coming back. And this, along with other pieces that are coming together in the southeast neighborhood, uh, show that the future is bright for, for that neighborhood. Mayor Mueller says that the investment into neighborhoods would be historic, one not seen before in terms of magnitude. The proposal will be voted on on October 25th. WSBT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. A group chat showed some students at Penn Harris Madison's Grissom Middle School discussing ways to hurt or kill kids they don't like. PHM's safety director talked with WSBT 22 about how the school is dealing with that threat. A police report has been filed and is being reviewed by the St. Joseph County Prosecutor's Office. In the meantime, the safety director says he's limited in what he can tell me. We do know, however, a group of girls started the group chat and were targeting boys. The latest school threat at Grissom Middle School has administrators calling it substantive. In an email sent to parents and guardians, the principal says the school involved the safety director and police right away. Our staff frequently monitor academic activity uh, in classrooms. And in this case, uh, the situation unfolded where it was discovered that a student uh, was doing some things they shouldn't have done. Safety Director Mike Seeger says parents and guardians shouldn't be concerned. The school has suspended the girls from the group chat and the victims and their parents have been notified. It does not involve the entire school. Uh, parents should not be concerned at this point in time based on the information we have available to us to send their kids to school. 
The school ruled the threat a cause for concern because the girl students had a plan in place. The cause for the threat is still being looked into. Waiting to find out what the next step is from the criminal standpoint, if there is any. Um, if not, we just continue with our disciplinary action uh, based on our student code of conduct. The suspensions of the girls could be extended or they could be expelled, but the situation will be reviewed by the school administration on a case-to-case -case basis. He says the school is calling on parents to play a role in preventing future threats. We encourage our parents to um, talk with their kids. Um, we encourage our parents to uh, sh have their students uh, or children share with their teachers their feelings. Seeger says that Grissom has a school resource officer that rotates between the schools as well as an off-duty officer, but there isn't a plan in place to hire one full-time for the middle school. WSBT 22's Paige Barnes reporting. In a year that has farmers hoping for a bumper crop, some are getting hit hard in their pocketbooks. A fungus is impacting some local cornfields, especially in the New Carlisle area. It was actually first discovered in the country around 2015 here in the New Carlisle area. That's why they're doing research in the area to learn more about it. But it's easy to spot when you look at the leaves. Nearly every corn crop has the black fungus on them, essentially eating them alive. They deteriorate the plant during a very important time of that plant's growth cycle. As it's trying to, to fill that grain out, um, it's adversely affecting the plant so that that grain doesn't fill out completely. The smaller the kernels, the less money farmers make. Mark Eads says this year will still be one of the best yields he's seen in a while, but depending on how serious the infestation is. You could possibly lose 70 to 100 bushels by not treating. Um, which, let's just round it to $5 corn, you're looking at $500 an acre. Eat says while there's nothing farmers can do right now, prevention, spraying fungicides, could have combated the problem. I'm telling all of my growers, do not plan on planting corn unless you're ready to make the investment in spraying the fungicide next year. This field was sprayed and it still hit hard, but he says the fields that weren't sprayed are going to lose the most. The real concern is actually next year's crop. We pretty much already know it's going to be even more of a problem next year just because of the amount of spores that are naturally present now. Making matters worse since he's expecting a volatile marketplace already. The profits from this year's corn and bean crop are really going to help farmers through 2022. And it's not the only invasive fungicide he's found here this year. Southern rust has made its way north, which can kill plants overnight. Worst case scenario, it's a very inexpensive insurance policy to take out on a very expensive crop. With tar spot weakening the plant to the point where it can easily snap, Eads is actually really concerned about tonight's potential strong winds and storms. He says they can come through and flatten these fields, costing farmers even more money. WSBT 22's DJ Manu reporting. A council member is taking action to prevent violent crimes in South Bend. Kenneth Lee is asking for resources and community support to make South Bend safer. Lee is also the uncle of a 15-year-old who's recovering after he was shot just days ago. Tyler Brown is the latest victim of violent crime in the city. Council member Lee says violence has no place in South Bend. 
innocent victims or random shootings is not acceptable in our city and it needs to end. Shots fired, families mourn, balloons released, a cycle of reckless violence that continues to hurt the South Bend community. Council member Kenneth Lee wants to break the cycle. It starts with the community, our law enforcement working together, social services working together, and our government working together. He believes community programs that engage the youth is the first step in making a difference. We have to provide the necessary resources for families to be whole so people don't feel like I gotta live in survival mode. So we need resources there. Then we gotta have resources in the schools where kids can learn conflict resolution skills. When children have a proper education and young adults have opportunity, Lee says the best way to prevent senseless crimes is finding love in their heart and taking personal responsibility to value life. We can put things in policy, we can put things in resources, but what we can't do um, that is going to take the individuals to do is to search their hearts and their souls and begin to find out that they're worth more than a gunshot. Lee's nephew is in critical condition after being shot on Thursday evening. He is pleading for anyone in the community who saw or knows anything to report it. When you can prevent violence or death or tragedy from happening, that's not a, that's not a snitch, that's a hero. Lee says gun violence doesn't just kill the person, it kills the community. He says as a community, we have to rise up against crime. If you're shooting, if you're, if you're causing problems, we're going to report it and it's going to be investigated. If you have any information on the shooting of 15-year-old Tyler Brown, call the police. The investigation is ongoing and being handled by the County Metro Homicide Unit. WSVT 22's Ronnie Doss reporting. Halloween can be a scary time for families trying to manage a child's food allergy. Families with food allergies are on high alert this time of year. Allergist and immunologist Dr. Christina Barnes from the South Bend Clinic says more children are being diagnosed with food allergies and doctors don't know why. Milk, egg, and peanut are top allergies seen in children, and those allergens are in high circulation in popular candies. So the number today, just in peanut allergy as an example, is one out of 50 first graders has peanut allergy. So it is going up, and it's only going up in certain parts of the world in more westernized countries. You know, there are a lot of possibilities in terms of why that is. It's probably a number of things working together, but it really is going up. And so it's especially important for us all to be, you know, aware as a community so that we can try to help get, keep these kids safe. For the next two weeks, there will be lots of Halloween celebrations, trunk or treat events, and trick or treating. Doctors say think twice about the treats you offer. And instead of only offering candy, try handing out non-food treats as well. The Teal Pumpkin Project is an awareness campaign that can help you find new ideas. WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 